this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong? My topic today is something that's near and dear to my heart because for 23 years, every day, I swallowed a little white pill and little did I know, I was consuming, I was ingesting a group one carcinogen, which is categorized according to the World Health Organization at the UN as a group one carcinogen in the same family as asbestos. So I might as well have been sniffing asbestos up my nose and into my lungs, but instead I was consuming something that was equally as bad and it's called the birth control pill. My topic today is the connection between hormonal contraception plus abortion and breast cancer. So so we're not talking about the birds and the bees, we're gonna be talking about the ABCs, abortion, birth control, and breast cancer. So how about that? Can you imagine that, that we've got millions, and now folks, I'm talking about tens of millions of women across America who are consuming a group one carcinogen, and they have no idea that it's a carcinogen because this has become such the norm Um, In fact, according to a statement from the predecessor of Margaret Sanger from Planned Parenthood, Alan Guttmacher, there was a time, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that he wanted wanted every American girl to go on to birth control as easily as breathing. So imagine that, taking a pill that you don't even think twice about, that's because everybody's doing it, it's been around, you know, forever, and it's the norm, and hey, there's nothing wrong with it. But then to come to find out that since 1975, the risk risk of in situ breast cancer has increased 400% in premenopausal women. And in the year 2000, the National Toxicology Advisory Panel put estrogen on its list of carcinogens. Oh, isn't that interesting? Estrogen is the primary hormone in the birth control pill. It's estrogen and progestin. And in 2006, a meta-analysis at the Mayo Clinic proceedings showed a 44% increased risk of breast cancer in women who took the pill before having a child. And in 2007, the United Nations International Agency on Research of Cancer reported in their monograph 91 that estrogen-progestin combination drugs, i.e. the pill, or a group one carcinogen for breast, cervical, and liver cancers. Tell me, American women, how many of your OBGYNs, before writing the prescription for the pill, sat you down and said, now, if you're going to go on to this little white pill, let me give you the download and how you are increasing your risk of breast, cervical, and liver cancer so substantially that it should cause you to first pause before you go fulfill fill that prescription and think twice. 
All right, well, you can tell I'm passionate about this because like I said, I took that pill for 21 years, I mean 23 years, having no idea um, that by between taking that pill, the timing of it, postponing motherhood into my 30s, I bought all most of those lies of radical feminism, and um, and then you know postponing motherhood and all, and then finding out at forty that I had actually increased my chances of breast cancer so substantially. Uh, I, I was just aghast when I found out the facts. And so I'm on a mission, and we're going to make sure American women uh, they do have the right to know. The next step is to make sure they do know. And I'll be getting into this more on the second segment of the show, why we don't know. But but so that I don't lose you, let's get into uh, the explanation. We're talking about, it's like a ninth grade education here, about the risk factors uh, that increase breast cancer um, risk. And then, um, then we'll get into the whys in the house and how come people don't know. And before I transition to those risk factors, I do want to cover two other things that um, the pill, how it causes cervical cancer. So the risk of cervical cancer increases after more than five years on the pill. Uh, So women who use the pill for five to nine years have twice the risk of cervical cancer. Come on, America, let's get talking. How about this one? Women who use the pill for 10 years or more, that would have been me. Remember I hit the two decade mark. Uh, Let's see, Uh, 10 years or more have more than a three time risk of cervical cancer. And now, hey, who needs a liver anyway? You know, primary liver cancer is rare in developed countries, and the pill increases the risk of over 50% in women. So the chances of liver cancer in a meta-analysis that's of 12 different studies, independent studies, when you combine those 12, it showed that the pill increased liver cancer by 50%. Uh, Six studies showed the longer the pill is used, the higher the risk. Wake up, America. Wake up, American women and men. You know, I'm not going to uh, discard or disregard communicating this message to men because we're talking about husbands, you know, fathers of minor girls who are either being instructed to go to Planned Parenthood and get put on birth control pills or your youngsters, your teenage girls are, are exercising their supposed right to reproductive freedom. Keep in mind, they're your minor daughter, you men of America. And the way this thing has been jacked up, those girls can go right into a women's center. And let's say, let's just keep picking on Planned Parenthood since they're the biggest purveyor of all this and and the root cause of this, by the way, which we'll get into. Uh, And they can go access birth control pills behind your back you are, you, it is not required for you to know that your little 12-year-old, who maybe some local 18-year-old took down to Planned Parenthood, can be put on a group one carcinogen. And from 12 to 22, she's ingesting high levels of estrogen. And what you might not know is that the fastest growing, um, uh, the, the cancer that's on the rise is breast cancer and the leading cause of death of women between the ages of 20 and 59 is breast cancer. And so right now I'm going to connect the dots for American listeners and share it so that every American will have the truth. I'm going to connect the dots using the information that you have at your fingertips. I encourage everybody to go to, uh, let's see, it's called Breast Cancer Prevention Institute. 
Breast Cancer Prevention Institute, and they have this um, excellent little brochure called Breast Cancer Risks and Prevention. It is written by Angela Lanfranchi, medical doctor, uh, also Joe Brind, B-R-I-N-D, Brind, Ph.D., and uh, the, between the two of them, they, and let me give the background, Angela Lanfranchi is a clinical assistant professor of surgery. So most of my facts and figures, other than a few add-ons, will be coming from that because they state it the best, the simplest, and we're talking here ninth grade, 10th grade, high school education. So let's go over the first exposure, and it's called estrogen. Estrogen, and we all know that estrogen is a normal female hormone. It's made in your ovaries, and to a lesser extent, it's, ma it's made in your fat tissue. And it's a hormone that causes us women to be womanly. What do I mean? Estrogen causes your breast to develop, and estrogen, in combination with uh, progesterone, progesterone, it enables you to get pregnant and to maintain that pregnancy. So estrogen is nothing to be scared of. However, when you get too much of it, it can cause problems. All right, estrogen can cause cancers in two different ways. Estrogen acts as a mitogen. That's the first way, and I'll explain in a second. And then uh, estrogen acts as a carcinogen. And I think we all pretty much know what that means, carcinogen meaning a cancer-causing agent. Okay, so as a mitogen, it stimulates your breast tissue to increase cell divisions. Okay, so this sometimes results in cancers due to errors in cell division. So it causes that tissue to proliferate over and over and over, and sometimes it, it, it proliferates way too much, and then you can have problems in that. Number two, carcinogens. Certain metabolites of estrogen act as carcinogens by directly damaging the DNA, thereby causing cancer cells to form. So now let's dig deeper into the first one, mitogen. Um, so this estrogen as a mitogen, it causes the breast cells to multiply through division. All right, and just to give you an idea, like doubling time, if you have a cancer cell and that thing begins to double, 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 um, it, to, to grow into a one-half inch in diameter little tumor, um, we're, we're talking eight to ten years on average doubling time growth, okay? So, to so just kind of walk this dog for me a minute, just remember, birth control pills, group one carcinogen, they're filled with estrogen as well as progestin, but right now estrogen that we're focused on, and that estrogen um, is help is a mitogen, okay? It causes those cells to double, 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 double. So small tumors are generally more differentiated and less likely to metastasize to the lymph nodes and therefore more curable than larger tumor, tumors. This is why early detection with mammography results in increased survival. Sometimes prolonged estrogen exposure, such as with, um, I mean, use the example of women who are getting ready to go through menopause or they're going through menopause and they do that hormone replacement therapy. Well, what was proven a few years back is when those women began using those estrogen drugs as part of their hormone replacement therapy, it was literally causing the cancer cells to multiply, multiply, multiply. And that's why all of a sudden you rarely hear about hormone replacement therapy um, anymore. And it was all over the news. Just Google it. I mean, the proof is out there that the estrogen fed, you know, those mitogens. Okay. Uh, prolonged and increased estrogen exposure may also call your, 
cause your breast cells to progress from hyperplasia to atypical hyperplasia to cancer. So hyperplasia refers to the overgrowth of cells, for example, in multiple layers instead of one layer in the milk duct. So if your milk duct's supposed to have one layer of the, of the cells, hyperplasia is where you end up with multiple layers. Proliferative breast disease found on biopsy indicates an exposure to increased levels of estrogen. So an increased risk of breast cancer is found in women who have proliferative breast disease. And when they're found with proliferative breast disease, what is noted is that they have an increased level of the uh, estrogen. Okay, now we haven't gotten to like, well, maybe why? Okay, I'm, I'm just bare bones minimum. Estrogen is a risk factor. Number one, as a mitogen, and now number two, as a carcinogen. Certain estrogen byproducts or breakdown products, whatever you want to call them, um, can directly damage the DNA. Um, so one example, there's a metabolite from the birth control pill, uh, hormonal contraception, and um, it directly damages the DNA. And so hormonal contraception is a group one carcinogen in the same family as asbestos, according to the World Health Organization. Hello. I mean, isn't this like crazy? Like, like we literally have, like probably right now, we are talking about historically 85 million women at some point in their life are on the birth control pill. Um, and then I've read anywhere from 10 million women at a time, but then I've also read as high as like 70 million at a time. I'm not sure where the truth lies. All we know is it's the number one, you know, contraception, and it's been spoon-fed to girls since they were teenagers uh, by our government, by doctors, by parents, by misinformation. Ah, I could scream. Okay, so women with breast cancer have higher levels of this metabolite from the birth control pill uh, than women without breast cancer. So the factors which affect estrogen exposure. Okay, so we've already said estrogen um, can cause cancer and it can act as a mitogen or it can act as a carcinogen. Now we're talking about the factors which affect estrogen exposure. Okay, and we'll probably get through about half of these. All right, so we're talking about factors which affect estrogen exposure. During each monthly cycle, a menstrual cycle, the woman's exposed to increased estrogen because just before the egg is produced by her ovaries, her estrogen levels jack up, okay? Number two, during pregnancy, women have prolonged exposure to high levels of estrogen while they're pregnant. If a woman gives birth before 32 weeks, or here's a key point, or if she has an induced abortion, she will have an increased risk of breast cancer because of increased estrogen exposure without the protective effect of lobule differentiation. And I'll explain that in just a minute. You know, her breasts basically are left with more places for breast cancers to start. So that's a woman who has an abortion or a woman who gives premature birth before 32 weeks of pregnancy. Something miraculous happens at 32 weeks of pregnancy, and I'll be explaining that in just a second. What's another way estrogen plays in and, and becomes a, a risk factor? It's both early age at the start of a menstrual cycle. You know, if the girl's 10, 11 years old, that's pretty early. Oh, and late menopause. You know, if the woman's 60 years old and finally stops so, uh, so that's a very long lifeline of, of having menstrual cycles. And each one of those cycles, the estrogen levels, again, are increased. 
There's another way, birth control pills, injections, vaginal rings and patches, all these are hormonal contraceptions and they increase breast cancer risk through increased exposure to estrogen. And again, I'll be getting into more of the details and how it affects the breast in just a minute. And then the more alcoholic beverages you drink, the more impaired your liver becomes in its ability to eliminate or metabolize estrogen in your body. So if you're a heavy drinker and you're female, you're gonna be affecting how well your liver metabolizes estrogen. And then if you're obese, you know, because of the more fat tissue and the fat tissue produces more estrogen. Um, so you have higher risk there. And there, there are a few other smaller, okay, smaller issues. Okay, so that's estrogen. And the next one is breast maturity. And perhaps before I get into breast maturity, because I'm going to run out of time, let me give you two other little side notes. And then when we come back in segment two, I'll be explaining how, how young women or women in general, before they have a full-term pregnancy, they're, well, through puberty and into early adulthood, they're making um, you know, type 1, type 2 breast lobules which are very subjective to cancer, but then our breasts actually mature. And so while, so as we come back, we'll be covering that in great detail. So hang in there with me and I'll be right back. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Thanks for joining me for segment two of my talk about the connection between hormonal contraception, i.e. the birth control pill, and abortion and breast cancer. Okay, There's a connection between abortion and hormonal contraception to this high level of women uh, getting breast cancer. So in the first segment we talked about estrogen and how estrogen can act as a mitogen or it can act as a carcinogen and what that has to do with breast cancer. In this segment, I'd like to talk to you about, oddly enough, breast maturity. Okay, and this is so important. I mean, if there's one section I'd want every American woman to listen to, it's right here. Understanding that just because you've developed breast as a teenager, is that breast the same breast as a, uh, as a full-term pregnant woman breast? And the answer is a resounding no, and this is why. Because the way God's made our amazing bodies, pregnancy helps us to become cancer resistant, our breasts to become cancer resistant. So what I'm going to do is using the information that we can all find on Breast Cancer Prevention Institute, they have an excellent little guide 
Uh, and I want to read the title. It's called Breast Cancer Risks and Prevention. And I encourage every woman to go there and download this guide. It'll give you all of this information and so much more. We want every American woman and man to read through this breast cancer prevention guide because men, you're responsible as well. Okay. And I just, I never want to veer off that. You're responsible because, because you don't have the truth. And a lot of times you're encouraging the women in your life or hopefully the woman in your life to be on the birth control pill. Uh, or to have an abortion. We'll be making that connection in a minute too about breast cancer and abortion. It's important that we all have this information. All right, so breast, breast maturity and breast cancer risk. So this is like ninth grade level education here. Um, the breasts are composed of units of breast tissue, okay? And these units of breast tissue are called lobules and they're surrounded by two other types of tissue. Supportive tissue made of fat and then other tissue, connective tissue, called stromal tissue, all right? So then the lobule is composed of a milk duct with surrounding ductals, which are the glands that make milk. Because regardless of what this hypersexualized world wants you to think of breasts, breast number one primary function is to, is to make milk, really nutritious milk, and feed the baby, all right? Okay, so lobules are in turn composed of individual breast cells. So at birth, everybody, even men, are born with type 1 lobules. They're very immature, and it's important to know that about 85% of breast cancers are known to arise in this type 1 lobule, okay? Then at puberty, uh, the female, in response to her menstrual cycle, uh, and, and she's her estrogen and progesterone levels are, are going up or in cycles, the breasts begin to develop further and some of the type 1 lobules will mature into what's called type 2 lobules, which have more ductals per lobular unit, okay? Uh, and this is all in preparation for that breast to one day um, mature up to be a type 4 lobule to feed the baby. Type 2 lobules are where about 15% of breast cancer start. So now we've gone over type 1, immature. Type 2 is when puberty starts. Type 1 has about 85% of the ductal cancers in type 1. And then uh, type 2 is where about 15% of all breast cancers start in the type 2 uh, lobules. All right, by the end of puberty, about 75% of the breast tissue is type 1 and 25% is type 2. All right, and then we have the full maturation and cancer-resistant type 4, four lobules. They're formed uh, in late pregnancy when the breast um, is it's under the influence of two different hormones, which are made by the baby, okay, and the placenta. So isn't that amazing how God made our, our bodies uh, that the baby actually helps us become, our breasts become, cancer-resistant, it's so awesome when you really wrap your hands around this. Okay, so type 4 lobules contain the colostrum or that first milk. And by the uh, second trimester, 70% of the breast tissue has now been matured to become type 4 or is type 4 lobules, okay? And then at 40 weeks, which is full term, 85% is type 4 and cancer resistant. All right, awesome. And then what about weaning? What about when a woman has finished breastfeeding and, and the baby's now been weaned? Uh, type 4 lobules will regress into type 3. 
what remains is this cancer-resistant type 4 and type 3 lobules due to permanent genetic changes, which have made them cancer-resistant. And each subsequent pregnancy um, after the first matures more and more of the breast tissue, resulting in a further decrease in breast cancer risk by an additional 10%. Wow. So we've been told that to go into birth controls early, to postpone motherhood, um, you know, there's a big push many times to not even breastfeed, you know, and, 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 and actually it's been almost, actually I think more and more women now are embracing breastfeeding, but be the, neither here nor there. It's, um, th there's just a whole different way we can be looking at all this. So uh, let's see, not only do the lobules look different anatomically, but they grow differently. For example, type 1 and type 2 lobules copy their DNA faster than type 3. So while that girl's going through puberty and she's multiplying and multiplying the type 2 tissue and the type 1, multiplying, it's proliferating, um, that DNA is replicating faster, you know, faster than a type 3 or type 4. The faster DNA is copied, the higher the risk of mutations or cancer cells forming. Pretty basic, right? Kind of makes sense. So the principle of breast cancer risk relating to lobule maturity can explain other well-documented breast cancer risks as well. And here we go. This is fascinating. Okay, if a woman does not have a full-term pregnancy, so meaning she's childless, uh, she has increased risk for breast cancer since she never developed type 4 lobules. That's basic 101. So she remains with type 1 and type 2, which are not cancer-resistant. Type 4, highly resistant. Okay, number two, if she has children later in life, like I did at 32 and 35, she has, and this is, so later in life means after age 30, okay? Um, she has increased her risk because for most of her menstrual life, her estrogen has been stimulating immature type 1 and type 2 breast lobules. So if she has children as a teenager, and I'm not out here promoting teenagers run around and have babies, I'm not saying that, but just know that if she has children as a teenager, she has decreased risk of breast cancer since her breast tissue matures very early in her reproductive life to type 4 lobules because they don't go back. Once they're type 4, they convert to a type 3, but they never return to a type 1 or type 2. Which are, which are susceptible to cancer. Number three, if a woman breastfeeds, she often misses menstrual cycles altogether. And this makes me, makes me think of a friend of mine who I lost count after five children. I believe she has six children. So what that means is, and she breastfed. So what this means is while she was breastfeeding, she was not menstruating, which means so for those six babies, she breastfed at least for a year. I actually think she went a year and a half. She was probably pushing two years. So she had, she had decreased her estrogen uh, level so much just by, uh, by breastfeeding all six of those children. Okay, and so, so again, those type 4 lobules are cancer resistant. And then when all those babies are weaned off, or as they're weaning off, they, it, the, it converts over to type 3. So, wow. And, and <laughs> it's just amazing what we don't know. You know, it's like, how come this isn't taught in high school? Because this is also like basic elementary. This is not like reading some high-level research report, which I would have been lost on like the fourth sentence. 
Uh, this is like basic 101. Well, here comes another one, and this is a super, super important factor. Number four, the risk factors of estrogen exposure and breast immaturity can also act in concert with one another. Well, what do we mean? Um, because what it's going to do is it's going to cause a much greater risk. So if you take a teenager who has not had a full-term pregnancy and she's taking birth control pills, her risk of breast cancer is much higher than it is for a woman who's had several children and then starts taking the, the birth control pill. Okay, because that teenager who has not had the benefits of a full-term pregnancy and she's taking the birth control pill. So I asked the question, what's happening? What's growing? And you already know the answer, type one and type two lobules. Okay, the immature. Ah, okay, so the second part is a woman who gets pregnant increases her estrogen level by 2,000% by the end of the first trimester. That's, that's huge, 2,000%. If her pregnancy goes to full term, she will have lower breast cancer risk by developing full breast maturity. So ladies out there, when you have your baby, your breasts are mature. You, you no longer have those immature breasts. You now, and you can be proud of it, you have mature breasts. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about this one? If the pregnancy ends before 32 weeks, and this is huge because this is what's affecting millions and millions of American women, and we're scratching our head, and we're putting on those old pink ribbons saying, oh, we want to end breast cancer, blah, 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 more money for research. We don't need a dime more money for breast cancer research. We need to, we need to uh, learn what's already known about breast cancer and that birth control pill and abortion, because here it is. If a pregnancy ends before 32 weeks by either premature birth, okay, or an induced abortion, okay, which is going to be the, you know, the vast majority of particularly, you know, second, term, second um, trimester pregnancies, um, she will have increased risk as she will not get the benefit of full breast maturation, but instead be left with more places for breast cancer to start. So let's walk this dog. We got a teenager. She gets put on birth control pills. And like many teenagers, they're not taking that pill at the same perfect time every single day. And she's bought the lies of promiscuity. Now she gets pregnant and she goes down for her abortion at Planned Parenthood. And when she leaves, they what do they put in her hand? They put a pack of birth control pills in her hand. So now we've got this double whammy thing going on. So she was, so she's a teenager. So we already know her type one, type two is growing, growing, growing. Then she gets pregnant, but she has an abortion before uh, 32 weeks of pregnancy. So now we know she's left her breasts in this type one, type two. She never gets the benefits of a type four, which then convert to a type three. And then she's going to also start taking more estrogen. Okay, hello? Are y'all connecting the dots with me? Don't tell me now you don't know why breast cancer is on the rise. All right? Since 1975, the risk of in-situ breast cancer has increased 400%. How can Planned Parenthood is not making uh, big bells and whistles, big programs, big promotion, big educational efforts. How, how come I'm out here, little lone me, 
okay? Let alone me trying to get this message out fighting big government's funding of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is the cause, is the root of so many women uh, getting breast cancer. But we'll cover that in this next segment. We got a few more minutes left. Spontaneous abortions or miscarriages, and this is important to note. So there's a difference between a spontaneous miscarriage, or it's called a spontaneous abortion, but what I mean by that is a miscarriage. That's different than a premature birth. So a miscarriage in the first trimester does not increase breast cancer, and this is why, uh, because if it's a miscarriage, that usually has to do with she had really, really low estrogen levels, and her levels were so low, she could not maintain that pregnancy, okay? And so, um, so there's a difference between breast cancer risk for a miscarriage. Now, if she has an abortion in the first trimester, an induced abortion, that's different because her body is making tremendous amounts. Remember, in the first trimester, the estrogen goes up by 2,000%. And so um, that's a big, big difference between an abortion in the first or second trimester uh, versus a miscarriage. Okay, and last note there is cigarette smoking. Uh, before a full-term pregnancy can increase a teenager's breast cancer risk substantially because her breast lobules are immature and rapidly growing and the carcinogens inside cigarette, the cigarette smoke is, um, it does damage to the breast tissue and which I'll cover that in that other section. Okay, so review, uh, 75% of the, uh, is type 1 lobules, 25% type 2 lobules, 85% of all breast cancers start in type 1 lobules as what's called ductal cancers, and 1 to 15% form in type 2 lobules, and then types 3 and 4 are resistant to cancer, after 32 weeks of pregnancy, type 1 and type 2 lobules mature into type 4 in preparation for breastfeeding. And then they will regress to type 3 lobules after weaning but remain cancer resistant. Woo! All right, that's a lot of information, but I hope you can now begin seeing this connection. All right, so I have a note here that, okay, if the pregnancy ends by elective abortion the increase in the number of type 1 and type 2 lobules formed in the first two trimesters provide what? They provide more places for cancers to start, which ultimately increases the risk of developing breast cancer. Because if you have more places for the breast cancer to, to, to begin, you're at higher risk. All right, so now we're going to go over to the age and the length of exposure to carcinogens and breast cancer risk. Let's see, so the age at which a woman is exposed to the carcinogens or, or cancer promoters greatly affects the risk of the cancer cells forming. And so when the cells are actively growing and rapidly copying the DNA, as breast cells do during puberty, the more likely cancers are to form. All right, so, so when teenagers take birth control pills before a full-term pregnancy, their risk is substantially increased compared to the risk increase in women in their 20s whose breasts are no longer growing, all right? So think about this, what we're doing to our young, our young women, our children. I mean, these are children. When they're put on the birth control pill at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, I mean, we are setting these girls up 
for breast cancer. It's just shocking. So the length of the exposure also varies with the risk of cancers forming. So studies show the longer women take birth control pills, like me, 23 years, the higher their risk of breast cancer. So for example, women taking birth control pills for two years may only have a small increase in breast cancer risk, but if taken for more than four years, the risk is significantly greater. And then here's another thing, the longer your exposure to increased levels of estrogen, the higher your risk will be. So like hormone replacement therapy and all that, you know, one to two years might not be too bad, uh, but, you know, but taking it longer uh, increases, you know, breast cancer risk. So, you know, cause some of the women are on this for years. Okay. So let's see, I, I it's just, there's so much content that, that it's, I think is just so important that we awaken that we've been lied to, we've been duped. And again, I want to drive you to well, another resource is to watch Dr. Angela Lanfranchi's video presentation at Hosea Initiative. That's HoseaForYou.org, H-O-S-E-A, the number four, Y-O-U.org, HoseaForYou.org, 30-minute presentation on how the pill kills, and then she begins to get into the connection of abortion and how the pill kills. Okay, I'll be right back, and we're going to go over some of the history, well, a few more risk factors, and then as well as the history and what we can do. All right, stay with me. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, you're back for the third segment of my dissertation in the connection between abortion, hormonal contraception, and breast cancer. And as I was wrapping up the segment on breast maturity, and how hormones and estrogen affect all this and the birth control pill. I forget, forgot to, um, to go over what's called the susceptibility window. Um, what this is, is there's a critical time between the first period and the first pregnancy that this young woman is in a very susceptible, um, I guess you call it stage to carcinogens, and it's called the susceptibility window. And this is because she has a higher percentage of immature breast lobules, okay? So um, the shorter this time period, the lower her risk, the longer this period, the higher her risk. And so I'm gonna pivot out of the Breast Cancer Prevention uh, Institute, the guide that, I, that I've been using, and I, I just want to add in something that's near and dear to my heart as well, is our drinking water. If you've been drinking, like most Americans, out of plastic water bottles, you've been making the assumption that the water that, that you're putting in your body is safe and good to drink. But why are you making that assumption? And why would I be bringing it up here? Well, if you go to this little, there's a video on 
out there on YouTube called TAPP, T-A-P-P-E-D. You can actually watch like a six-minute trailer called TAPPED BPA FDA. The BPA is bisphenol A. FDA is the Food and Drug Administration. And what you will see in six minutes is a Food and Drug Administrator. I don't know his name. That doesn't really matter. But he's being drilled by Senator John Kerry in some kind of uh, uh, Senate uh, hearing about what's being found in bottled water. And you'll be shocked if you haven't seen this thing. And again, I'm a mother and a woman on a mission because I'm going to shine light in dark places. And this bottled water industry is also causing great harm uh, because what's being found in that water are all sorts of things, but many different carcinogens. And um, if you go and watch this tapped BPA FDA, you'll, you'll find out they did independent um, tests on 1,000 bottles. I know Dasani was included, Aquafina, and I don't know what the other brands were, uh, but popular brands. And they were sent to Test America and then also to Dr. Michael Summer. And then the results were given to a Dr. King, who's an epidemiologist, and he looked at the results with Toxicology Inc. And, and again, not only was there leaching from plastics, but we're, oh, we're just so unaware of all the different chemical compounds that we're being exposed to. And some of these chemical compounds, like butadiene, vinyl chloride, styrene, um, and the, the other reason I'm so passionate about this is I've had my own children tested now for levels of these chemicals in their bodies. And both of my children had high levels of uh, butadiene and vinyl chloride and styrene. Think of styrofoam, styrene. So, so what I'm going over is real. And this can have major, um, uh, major effect. It can, doesn't mean it will, but it can have major um, uh, implications on reproduction, uh, fetal development, and a whole host of other things. And so, uh, you know, it's just, it's time that we wake up, okay? We're, we're making some naive assumptions that just because water is in a plastic water bottle, it must be safe. False. Just because the birth control pill is legal and seems like everybody does it, it must be okay. False. All right? And then, and then there, there, we, we can't figure out why breast cancer is the leading cause of death between women 20 and 59 years old. False. We actually know why. It's just not being talked about and the information's being uh, suppressed. Okay. Reproductive history and breast cancer risk. I think this is really interesting. Uh, let's see. So during a normal pregnancy, estrogen levels rise. I think I'd said that 2,000% by the end of the first trimester. Okay. So... During the first half of pregnancy, the breasts grow and they double in volume by producing more type 1 and type 2 lobules where ductal and lobular cancers are known to start respectively, okay? So during the latter half of pregnancy, the breasts fully mature into type 4 lobules so that by 32 weeks, a sufficient amount of breast tissue is matured so that the mother's risk of breast cancer will continue to decrease until 40 weeks full term. All right, so what happens what happens, say, during a miscarriage? So during miscarriage, during the first trimester, and maybe I'd already said this, but it's worth repeating again, um, they, women do not have an increased chance of breast cancer if it's a miscarriage in the first trimester because miscarriages in the first trimester are primarily due to low estrogen levels, okay? So therefore, the breasts were not 
uh, proliferating, you know, in size. They were not growing. Uh, many women, when they had that first miscarriage, they didn't even know they were pregnant. Okay, and about 23% of all conceptions end in miscarriage, and approximately 90% of spontaneous abortions occur in the first trimester. Okay. Now, miscarriages in the second trimester can increase risk. Okay, but let's, let's pivot now and let's talk about abortion. Okay, a first trimester miscarriage is really different uh, than an induced abortion. And this is why. So the longer a woman is pregnant before an induced abortion, the higher her breast cancer. Okay, so the longer a woman is pregnant before an induced abortion, the higher her risk of breast cancer. This is because high estrogen levels of the first and second trimester do what? They cause the breast growth of type 1 and type 2. Okay, type 1 and type 2. It's all about this type 1, type 2, and what happens before the 32nd week of pregnancy. So when her pregnancy is terminated before most of the breast lobules reach full maturity around 32 weeks of pregnancy, She's left with what? With more places for cancer to start than when her pregnancy began. Does this make sense? I hope I'm making sense. All you listening, I hope this makes sense. Um, therefore, that woman, she's at increased risk. So we have a nation of women who have had abortions, you know, whether they had them as teenagers, which increases the risk all the more, whether they had the abortion after a first full-term pregnancy or before we're living in a nation where because of these high estrogen levels because of hormonal contraception and because we've been sold a bill of goods that abortion is okay it's just a woman's choice and just a decision between a woman and her doctor I want to know how many abortionists sit eye to eye with their uh, prospective abortion patients and discuss what abortion is going to do to their breast and how they're going to jack up their increases of breast cancer. They're not saying this. Why? Oh, puh, the abortionist makes his living killing babies. Okay, he's not going to try to be talking a woman out of an abortion when he sits there and that's his primary mode of business. It's a cash cow. Women, we've been lied to. Up one side and down the other. All right. Okay, the risk is especially high for teenagers who have an abortion in the late first or second trimester and for those women who have never had a child since their breasts never mature to the type th 4 and then regress to the type 3. So women who have had an induced abortion or premature birth before 32 weeks can therefore substantially reduce their risk by subsequently completing a pregnancy to at least 32 weeks, especially when they're young. Of course, I'm not advocating wait till 32 weeks and abort your baby, you know, because I'm totally against abortion uh, for many different reasons. Uh, but, but it's a 32-week mark because what happens after that 32nd week is the breast begins to turn toward that uh, type 4 lobule and become cancer-resistant. All right, so I think I've covered most of those uh, risks right there. Now, what about pregnancy and, and breast cancer risk? Okay, I want to cover something that, like the, um, the dormant cancer cell. So a woman may become pregnant after a cancer cell has formed in her breast, a cell which may have been dormant for many years. Early in the pregnancy, even before the embryo has implanted in the womb, the woman's estrogen levels rise, and this may stimulate 
the dormant cancer cell to grow into a clinically detectable cancer. I know a woman in Virginia where this happened to her. She had a very aggressive estrogen-fed uh, uh, cancer um, tumor, and she was pregnant. Uh, but she chose life. She chose life for her child. She postponed any chemotherapy. Uh, she And she made it through. She didn't go full term, but she made it through. Baby was born alive. And now he's a young man, and she's doing great. And so um, it is possible, you know, life after cancer, okay? We can, we can, we can get this stuff, and, and we can still have a, a culture of life. Okay, so the other thing is the cancer may grow detectable while pregnant. Well, like I just said, okay, and this is a called, that's called gestational uh, breast cancer. Um, the person I was talking about actually was not breast cancer. It was a different type of cancer, but again, it was estrogen-fed and let's see, therapeutic abortion. If a doctor ever tells you or a friend of yours that that abortion is going to be the best thing for you, it's a therapeutic abortion uh, for whatever the different reasons, please tell that doctor no. And this is why, because uh, all the clinical data have now shown the reverse to be true. A woman's chances of survival are maximized if she carries the pregnancy to term. Strong doses of chemotherapy can even be given without harm to the baby as long as the pregnancy has gone beyond the first trimester. Interesting stuff, isn't it? So even in cases where a premenopausal woman has previously been treated for breast cancer, having a full-term pregnancy decreases the risk of recurrence of the cancer. All right, there's just so much. And there are other things like radiation. We all know that radiation, we know about genetics. Oh, by the way, about the genetics, only 5 to 10% of all breast cancer cases are believed to be truly genetic and caused by a breast cancer gene. Only 5 to 10%. So don't go getting a mastectomy and you don't even have breast cancer. Okay, it's only 5 to 10% of all breast cancer cases are felt to be truly genetic. Uh, let's see. You know, it's these other factors we're putting into our lives that, you know, by postponing motherhood, going under the birth control pill, having abortions, uh, all those different things. Okay, now I'm going to cover just because before I know what we're going to be out of time, we just have a few more minutes left. I'm going to cover real quickly, how in the world did we get into this place? Uh, why? Why do we not know this information? And how did we, how did we ultimately embrace this, this culture that, that so wants to um, abort its young and, and then, you know, control births when God says, be fruitful and multiply, you know, and take dominion over the earth. And, and yet we're out here aborting and then taking literally group one carcinogens that are in the same family as asbestos. And we're literally spoon feeding those pills to our children, okay, uh, by allowing them to go onto the birth control pill. Well, um, it, it began back in the early 1900s with Margaret Sanger, who you will know as the founder of Planned Parenthood back in the early 1900s. It was not called Planned Parenthood. She called her little startup organization the American Birth Control League. And under that name, Margaret Sanger unleashed her worldview. And her worldview was a Darwinist. She believed in survival of the fittest a Darwinist worldview, and she wanted to breed out the people and their progeny, the people she deemed as less desirable, the people that she deemed as human weeds, 
Those are quotes from her, Human Weeds and Less Desirables. She launches what she calls the Negro Project back in 1939. She actually gave it a name, and it was to push contraception and sterilization into uh, the black minority markets. And she went around and she got every major, what she called back then, Negro Association, uh, associations to uh, come on and join her bandwagon. It was all complete, utter lies and deceptions. I don't have time to get into it today. We're going to be, I'll be doing that on another show, going to the great details of Margaret Sanger's Negro Project. If you want to hurry up and get the answers, go onto YouTube and watch the movie Maafa 21. M-A-A-F as in Frank, A-21. Uh, so M as in Mary, M-A-A, F as in Frank, A-21. It's in 13 segments. It's a two and a half hour documentary about the racist history of Planned Parenthood. And now fast forward, not enough people were sterilizing themselves or using condoms or whatever other method she had. Um, so now we're into the 1950s. She partners uh, with a couple scientists. She gets the funding and whammo, by the end of the 1950s, she, well, her people had... Uh, the scientists had created the first birth control pill called, I pronounce it Enovid, E-N-O-V-I-D, Enovid. It was, it was terrible, killed a bunch of women. And now we're now into the 1960s, the sexual revolution, 19, late 1960s, NARAL Pro-Choice America is formed. Back then it was just called NARAL. And they set out to overturn the abortion law. And bam! There we have it, 1973, abortion becomes legal. So we've got the pill and we have abortion and we've got a multi-complex uh, uh, government funded, uh, it's very, you know, very convoluted, very complex, but we've got a multi, multi-billion dollar big pharma industry. we got a government now that's trying to ram, to make the taxpayers pay for abortions, pay for promiscuous college students uh, having having sex. Remember Sandra Fluke? Sandra Fluke, remember that name? Where she demanded in front of a congressional hearing that taxpayers pay for her birth control pills. Okay, that she can't even be responsible enough for her own promiscuity and her own uh, infertility. And so we sort of have a mess on our hands, but I have just highlighted for you the connection between abortion, hormonal contraception, and breast cancer. And I am counting on you, Americans, that when this rolls out as a podcast, please share it with other people and let's get this job done. We are to slay the very things that are caught wreaking havoc on our country, and breast cancer is one of them. Women have been lied to, men have been duped, and I am here standing on the truth, and together, let's shine light in dark places. Go to Jose Initiative and watch Dr. Lanfranchi's video on how the pill kills, and then go to Breast Cancer Prevention Institute and buy those materials, order those pamphlets, download for free, and let's shine light in dark places. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Terry Beatline.